is Liz from Grow Your Mindset. Welcome to our Mindset in You interview, season two. And I'm um, ecstatic today to have Phil Garner with us, who's a dear friend, and we've invited him to come and have a little bit of chat about what he does and how he's involved in education, and also in terms of mental health and well-being, of course. So, Phil, welcome to our interview today. A bit of a mad rush back from Harrogate, but yeah. you made it. My heart has stopped pounding now. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so Phil, could you kindly introduce yourself? Pardon? It's, my heart is still beating, which is at my age is, is quite a significant uh, step. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And no defib needed. <laughs> Okay, so would you kindly introduce yourself and explain a little bit about your previous role and your current role in education? Oh, uh, uh, unfortunately, I, I, I started teaching back in 1973, <laughs> an absolute eon ago, uh, and worked in state schools for, uh, for about half of my teaching career, uh, moving to independent education when I became head, rather surprisingly to me, I'm not quite sure why they picked me, but they did. Uh, at King Edward's School in Bath, uh, where, where I, I changed the school there with Peter Winter, my colleague, the head of the senior school, from a boys-only school, which it had been for hundreds of years, uh, to a co-educational school. And uh, many, many of the uh, uh, old boys and teachers and uh, parents thought the world would end uh, and the sky would fall in, but it didn't. Uh, and it was a great success and it's a fabulous school and uh, I'm sure those of you people that listen um, who are in that area will know King Edward School Bath. I then moved to, um, I started to do a doctorate in education which remains unfinished in the loft which I think a lot of doctors <laughs> do on um, improving uh, uh, children's attitude to school through teaching dance. Uh, I'm not a natural dancer, if you could see the full profile you'd realise. Uh, but uh, enjoyed doing the research into that and trying to and i started to think about setting up a school then with with dance as a as a, key, a kind of focal point i then became head at Ascombe house school a prep school in newcastle upon tyne and in my true style i, I kind of moved that from a uh, 13 plus transfer prep school up to an 18 plus school um, it became known as newcastle school for boys uh, but all the boys when i was head all danced they all wow. had dancing lessons and we had dance clubs and they hated me for it but uh, <laughs> i think ultimately they probably saw the benefit of it and many of them um which i've spoken to later said how much they enjoyed that dance opportunity and then i, I did set up or tried to set up a free school on my own again with this dance and uh, uh performance arts uh, as as my uh, kind of theme but the government seemed peculiarly um, resistant to having a free school which was focused on dance and performing arts and creativity. They wanted it to focus on subjects. Yes. Why? But, you know, the government, that's what they do. Uh, mm. So in the end, I, I collaborated with another group and we set up the West Newcastle Academy Free School uh, in the most disadvantaged ward in Newcastle uh, and the West End. Uh, and with a focus on forest school and for those of you that are more familiar with uh, younger children uh, the Reggio Emilia the Italian kind of child-centered approach so it couldn't be further away from Newcastle School for Boys and King Edward School at Bath mm -hmm. but 
thriving uh, and it's a fantastic school but again the government couldn't quite get their head around it but uh, we fought and we won uh, then I, I worked did a couple of jobs for TS Global with um, uh, interim headships in schools where for whatever reason the head was was either in between posts or left or was sick or whatever uh, and during that time I was approached by Dave Winfield the founder of uh, the independent schools portal and asked if I'd do some uh, uh, work with them uh, with which I, I willingly and gratefully did and, and now I'm a kind of director if you like of independent schools portal and that's still uh, going along nicely I also work with students going to American universities I taught in Seattle Washington for a time wow. and I now work with about a hundred students who are considering undergraduate study in the United States so working with a couple of girls at the moment who are just applying to Harvard uh, and uh, quite a few students who are, who are looking at sports scholarships so a kind of rich uh, and varied <coughs> history uh, and now we just set up rocket learn which I, i'll talk to you about yeah I, I hope we'll have an opportunity to just look at rocket learn in a little bit more detail definitely uh, I'm, definitely I'm kind of passionate about about learning i mean i'm 69 coming up now and still unstinted enthusiasm for, for how people uh, children particularly but but adults as well how they learn mm. Mm. I mean, your passion in terms of that comes through, but your resilience and your determination in terms of the roles that you've just talked about really comes through. Have you got any Billy Elliot prodigies that have ever come through your dancing? It's interesting. When I was at Kettle School, I, I, I had a couple of boys there and uh, who were uh, you know, very good sports people and uh, I taught them. And then I met them when they're in their 20s and they asked me what I was doing and I told them about my dance uh, uh, project uh, mm -hmm. the, the degree um, and the, the, the free school uh, and both of them said Mr. Garner don't tell anybody but we we both took up uh, tap dancing because of of your uh, kind of passion for that for dancing and we, we are we are absolutely passionate tap dancers uh, wow. so I think you know it's one of these is like a hidden hidden curriculum you'll know you know that 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 which goes on at school that you don't anticipate will go on yeah. at school uh, or yeah. in, in education or in life in general the, the impact you have on on uh, on children I think and young people I think when you hear from them later in life mm. I went back to Birmingham where I started my teaching career and um, a former colleague said oh I'm gonna meet uh, a couple of your former pupils that you taught at uh, at, at uh, Linden School in Solly Hall where I started my teaching career and he, you taught them and it'd be great to have a catch-up so I went into Weatherspoons in Solly Hall and I was introduced to these two old men I thought I never taught you in my life <laughs> and then I realized of course that it was and uh, you know I, I still imagine them as 15 year old schoolboys and then yeah. they were 60 year old uh, you know grandparents and yeah it is i mean in terms of uh, meeting old pupils it can it can be a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a shocker when they're, they're looking a similar age <laughs> i know when, when i retired at new from newcastle school for boys left newcastle school for boys somebody said to me what are you most looking forward to I said, not hiding behind the fridge in Waitrose's <laughs> to avoid meeting current pupils. You know what it's like, you're walking down the high street and you hear this, hello, sir, come bellowing across. Yeah. And everybody's going, oh, teacher, he's a teacher. 
brilliant. Well, you talked there about your passion for learning and how children learn. Um, now we came to contact with um, with you through the, next, uh, the Nexus networking event and we hit it off straight away. It was almost like we were drawn together like magnets. Okay, so what is it that drew you to us in terms of the connection that we have in terms of our value in education and your vision for skills and developing that particular ethos? What What is it that brought us together, do you think? Yeah, in interesting, I think, um, uh... For, for those that don't don't know that about the next working events, you you were there uh. with one or two other uh, uh, providers, if you like, uh, who were then uh, giving short uh, demonstrations, talks, and presentations to a group of le senior leaders from schools in the in the northwest. It was at Stockport Grammar School. If I, if I that's right, yeah. My job was to kind of facilitate the meeting, just to make sure you know you had your table and your Wi-Fi and. Uh, everything was going well so as I go around and you know how it is when when I don't know when I've been a head teacher on a, on a on a recruitment panel I think you can always spot people who have a genuine passion and a genuine and instinctive um, understanding of, of learning and teaching and I you know I've seen some people who've prepared magnificently for uh, uh, for, for interviews and uh, they say that no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy and mm. you know, survives first contact with children if they can't do it. Uh, so it something gives them away. It's a, it's a chemistry. And I felt that you two had a chemistry and just talking to you and uh, Gemma, I kind of understood instinctively that you two had a chemistry, but other people have a passion for their product or their service or their uh, computer program. You had a passion for learning and that's mm. a difference. Uh, and I, I think that just came across in our very short conversation. That yeah. But subsequently talking to people who worked with you uh, and in, in the presentation that you did for us uh, uh, later on. And I think that that real chemistry that, that you had with each other, I think, is also quite important. And I know that if when you come to meet children or for adults, that you've got that uh, ability to uh, convey the way that they can improve i think that's one of the problems often with with we kind of feel that if we give children a, a particular strategy or something that somehow that they'll they'll pick it up and run with it but i think you are there you had that ability to kind of nudge them forward to give them the confidence the self-esteem the belief mm. the right attitude you know grow your growth growth mindset on its own isn't enough to tell mm. children you is not enough you've got to show them how they can do better what yeah. it is they need to do to you know if you tried to teach me to draw a horse you know i instinctively might i would have a fixed mindset about that i'd say there's no way can i draw a horse but if mm. you said try this try these little tips try this nuance have mm. a look, video sit with this talk to this person how have they done it it wouldn't be a stubs when it came out uh, but it would certainly be better because you kind of give those uh, as I say, nuances really, and I think yeah. it's a semantic difference between growth mindset and grow your mindset. I think that the growth mindset is a bit like fixed IQ, isn't it? I am where I am, and I can't move from there. Mm. But you don't. You say grow your mindset. You can grow it. You can move it forward. Yeah, uh, that ability to develop. Fan of Guy Claxton. If you've come across. Oh yes, him, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. You have, but he was my uh, master's degree supervisor at um, 
at the University of Bristol. He won't remember. Uh, but I, I always remember his four hours of education, that resourcefulness, resilience. Reciprocity, a word at that time I didn't even know what it meant. Mm -hmm. And reflectiveness. And I think if we can teach children, I think one of Guy Claxton said, all you need to be able to teach, all you need to teach children is to know what to do when they don't know what to do. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what you, you and Gemma kind of, that came across in just that few minutes and listening to one of your presentations to the, uh, that group of uh, deputy heads and head teachers and uh, senior teachers there, that your passion for instilling in, in children a belief and attitude. Uh, and my feeling often is it's, what was it Henry Ford said? If you think you can, can. think you think can't, you can't. You're, probably you're right. Not. Yeah. And I think that's what, and a lot of children just think they can't. Yeah. And they're told frequently that they can't. And yeah. Teach. Okay. You, and, and I know that magical word yet is important, but it's not just you can do it yet. It, you, can, you can't do it yet. But if you try these things, these nuances, these suggestions, these yeah. you'll move forward. And definitely the power is not in the word the power is in what you do in between attempts that's where your power is yes and yeah I, I, have you come across uh, professor sugata mitra have you come across him who sorry sugata mitra professor sugata mitra. no who's who's well, this you should, you should what, what, make a note of him and and, and watch his, his um he came to, to fame. He's a professor at the uh, um, University of Newcastle here, but uh, he's an Indian by birth. And mm -hmm. he, many, many years ago, embedded computers in walls in very remote villages in India and right. just left them and watched how children who had no access to telephones, uh, there were no mobile phones much in those days, um, te televisions, uh, certainly not computers, how they interacted with the computer and how they taught themselves, but more importantly, how they taught each other. Yeah. So he then developed this into this self-organized learning environments where children learn in small groups. Mm. Uh, and that kind of giving them, and I think he calls it the grandmother complex where, where adults just kind of look over children. And, That's lovely, dear. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, explain, how does that work? I don't yeah. understand that. Can you tell me about that? And then children kind of explore these things. Yeah. And one of the things I say at, at meetings, I just have a conversation with a 17-year-old girl who's going to American University. And I say to her, this, this is a rhetorical question, Anna. Um, do you have a mobile phone? <laughs> well, not many 17-year-olds don't have a mobile phone. So she says, yes, of course I do. I said, and who taught you how to use it? Nobody. Mm. I taught myself. I learned from friends. I, I listened to what other people. No teacher, no parent taught mm. me. So, and we can all do marvellous things, I think. That, that's the thing that I always feel humbled by at the West Newcastle Academy Preschool. These children who come from a disadvantaged background, many of them are, are, are first or second or third generation immigrants to this country from, from different parts of the world, but speak English fluently. Yeah. As well as whatever language, whether it be Hindi or Farsi or whatever, they speak them both and act as translators for their parents. Mm. They don't, you know, these children can do magnificent things. They just mm. need to be shown. They just need to be given a little bit of uh, guidance, a bit of self and self belief. Facilitating rather than say, this is, 
this is what we have to, this is what you do this is how you do it and this is what it will look like when you've done it yeah if i, yeah. If I was prime minister i'd ban worksheets <laughs> completely. i don't get the point of them at all no no it has it's it, uh, it it almost hinders creativity when because you're going to get a blanket set of work that's the same do you, know the, do you know the other thing I'd ban, uh, uh, Liz, if I, if I could, is that go on. Uh, you go on a, on a school trip, I, I know with COVID and, uh, and we might get round to COVID in a bit, but, but you know, school trips have been terminated, but school trips are the most important thing. The first thing the two, these two 60 year old former pupils talked about were football trips and, yeah. and field trips. They didn't talk about the fabulous science lessons I didn't teach them. They talked about the school trips but the other thing i'd ban is when children go on a school trip is when they get back to school the next day having to write about it <laughs> yeah fundamentally illegal <laughs> nothing wrecks a school trip more than having to write about it yeah or after any holiday after any time any time away from school let's write about it yeah write about it what did you do on your holidays well and then you know some children say nothing or well, some didn't do it much yeah like <laughs> ask and the other thing that should be banned is is for, for or, or not banned but advised parents not to do it is ask their children what they did in school that day yeah what did you do in school nothing sorry nothing <laughs> yeah Nothing of nothing I want to share with you, or nothing <laughs> of, of great relevance or importance to the world. You know, just a normal kind of school day. Where mm. came I did what I had to do. So mm. um, uh, I, I think Albert Einstein's mum, when he got home from school, said, "What questions did you ask in school today, Albert?" Yeah. And that's a yeah. totally different. It's totally different. Oh, what was your best mistake today? Yeah. yeah. What what went wrong? Stop yeah. Things yeah what was your favorite struggle fear of failure into children the students i work with um, at the universities the, the, the sort of 17 18 year olds you know are, are petrified of failure yeah yeah it's interesting actually um i re i um, released a blog yesterday all about perfectionism um because that just seems to be something that's just rising in terms of the younger the children are getting in and they're their desire to be perfect and their reluctancy to even put pen to paper in case they make a mistake and it's where those messages are coming from and do you know what it was such a learning experience for me it was like a dissertation <laughs> like nine thousand words later <laughs> but in terms of really coming together with my own mindset and my experiences and the way education is at the minute it was a real eye-opener for me writing that blog and it's this sort of examination mentality isn't it that this is yeah. the model answer so yes uh, and that worries me to death you know that that i think uh, you know where, where's the next michael moore pergo going to come from if 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 the only you know poetry's got to be in this kind of uh, analytical follow this this kind of formulaic template and you'll produce a great poem on you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure J.K. Rowling didn't sit down writing Harry Potter, thinking, "Oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll follow this kind of GCSE formula that I'll, yeah, formula." Um, she had a, a passion, a, an idea, a, a thought, and it's just grew and changed yeah. and evolved and modified, and 
Um, mm. I, I think that's uh, that's where we've we've not got to at the moment, or we're we're getting away from. I had a, a student at uh, at, at uh, uh, Ampleforth College that I work at. Great young people there, and um, she was a Belarusian, and she wrote a, She was applying to Yale, and she wrote this essay, and I critiqued it for her. And she emailed me back, and the subject said, "Still failing at essay writing." So I, I emailed her back and said, "Daria, do, do not say failing at essay writing. You're not failing at essay no. writing. The essay was magnificent." I said, "I'm just giving you a few ideas, suggestions of how you might like to kind of reframe it a little bit. It's up to you. Yeah. It was a great essay, and you're writing it in your fourth language." So she emailed me back and said, uh, dear Mr. Garn, I won't put still, oh, what she, she put in the subject this time, not failing at essay writing anymore. So <laughs> she said, uh, I don't wish to be pedantic, she said, but English is my fifth language. Right. Goodness gracious. And, and she's criticizing herself because she writes an essay in a fifth language that she doesn't think is perfect. Yeah. She's at yeah, yeah. now. She'll make a difference. She'll change the world. She will. She'll, she will definitely will. I mean, in terms of our involvement, we we um, were lucky enough to be involved in your summer festival. You mentioned that we came together and did a, a presentation for you. What triggered your idea for that online experience? Yeah, originally, uh, Dave Winfield, the, the founder of uh, ISP, and, and I were thinking about having a three-day actual event in Swindon. You know, I mean, why would you not, you know, in Swindon? Uh, it, it was it was a good location and we thought this will be a great thing to do and we would have invited you to that as well but mm. covid intervened and, and uh, meant that we had to kind of rethink it so i suggested to dave and he agreed that we did it on on a virtual format um so we did it over three or four on three or four different days and and that seemed to work really well we had four speakers uh, of yeah. which uh, you, you and Gemma were, were one of them uh, and it was interesting to see the different ways that the four people approached uh, approached it and each were distinctive and different without you getting together to 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 uh, look at different ways of doing it and it went really mm. well it was very mm. successful so this year we're going to do the 60 sessions in 60 days that's the plan for this year similar format and again uh, you'll be invited uh, mm. and we, we think that for a variety of reasons, I think we've we've found that the portal events have gone online, and that a lot of staff have enjoyed that. It's it's cheaper, mm. it's more cost effective in that respect. There's no travel uh, time. It can often be done at a time when it doesn't impact on the school day. So mm. we tried different times. Some people did them in the morning and in these four sessions. We deliberately chose four different times to see which ones. Were, and not, none were more more uh, successful than others in terms of attendance uh, but we think that uh, then you can also make them available for people who can't access it at 10 o'clock yeah. in the morning but can probably watch it on youtube a couple of days later so we like we like the format it seems to work well uh, it also means of course it, it can go worldwide it, it can yeah everybody all over the world so teachers in Pakistan, Australia, Africa, and Southern America, mm. America wherever can can access it either uh, in real time or, or later on. So yeah. at the point of delivery, most of them were, were in fact the ones in the summer were free to the to the delegates, um, and that that was good. We're probably going to make a small charge for this one to cover the sixty sessions in sixty days, so that we know um, you know we've got a little bit of income to to hopefully pay speakers this time rather than ask them to do it as a as a general right. 
um, and we'll see we'll see how that goes. But the portal events at the moment are are, are online and they seem to be going well. All yeah. free. Uh, yeah. To the, to the delegates and um, uh, the next working um, that has, has happened in, in in the summer festival, you know, provided as a kind of ten minute slot, and that helps to pay for the. For the, for the event, meaning the delegates don't have to pay, there's no yeah. there's no train fare, there's no hotel bill. Yeah, and, you can and it's all professional development. <laughs> yeah, yes, and, 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 and you, can, you can have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or whatever you think. Yeah, just chill out and enjoy. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> now, we, we're going to have to mention the C word, you've already mentioned it once, um, yeah. but the impact in terms of the educational landscape is massive so in terms of covid it's affected educators in so many different ways and we're the role models for the children that we teach okay so in your experience as a head teacher and the discussions that you may have had with colleagues what do you feel are the biggest challenges schools and teachers face at the moment and where do you think they're best placed to channel their energy and their focus because social media gives a platform for discussion and debate yeah. and very often we can get ourselves engulfed in that and it's not always positive. So in terms of the challenges educators face, what are those and then where should they be channeling their energies do you feel? That's a, that's a wide ranging topic isn't it? Yeah. I just put, I lay my cards on the table first of all. I, I've never looked at Facebook, Twitter or any uh, I, I was dragged kicking and screaming to texting, uh, uh, and uh, and, I, I, and look I, at you now on online portals. Look at me, how 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 the mighty have fallen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I I think as you say, unfortunately, social media is 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 a, is a force for good and and a force for for discontent as well. And mm. I feel sorry. I'm really pleased I'm not a teacher at the moment because I think. A bit like Boris Johnson, I mean, I, I feel for, for him as well because I, I think they're in a in a in a heads they lose and, and tails they don't win scenario, mm. and I think head teachers are in that respect as well. They've got to do the best for the children, uh, they've got to do the best for their community, they've got to do the best for their staff, and there's that fear of of of, of, of infection, the fear of spreading infection. There's mm. that lack of uh, the, the thing that I think makes schools relevant and important is that socialization that interaction that relationship that yeah. uh, i know that, you know elements of touching but children touching each other you know when they go back to school the the inevitable hugs that children yeah. give each other uh, and still to some extent give, give to teachers as well and that's all gone uh, that that sort of play uh, physically robust play that sometimes oversteps the mark but that's all kind of gone and we're in these bubbles uh, I don't know if it's the same in in uh, in your area there da down in the in the northwest, um, it, where, where but the children here in the northeast seem to be sitting in coats and hats and gloves with the windows and the doors. Open. Uh, mm. I'm not quite sure how conducive that is to learning. I'm mm. not quite sure that the the learning has taken a step back in terms of because of the remoteness, the social distancing, the bubbles. Um, we've got children not accessing lab facilities, reduction in in physical activities in sport uh, those children that like that drama mm. uh, music, you know choirs um, i mean one of the questions i used to ask uh, visiting uh, prospective parents at king edward school and at newcastle school for boys as well how many boys 
sing in the choir at King Edwin's School? This is when it was an all-boys school, I have to say. How many boys sing in the choir? So this is in the whole school. Um, and they would say, oh, 20, 30, 40, none. Have all those. 600. Wow. 600 boys sang in the choir at King Edwin's School. Wow. Now, yeah. none, because choirs, you can't have a choir. I play a saxophone, but I'm not allowed to play in the band, in my local community band. And I have to say, the local community are deeply relieved about that. But uh, <laughs> but but all those opportunities have gone. And and I think with the lockdown coming up in uh, on Thursday, uh, I think that I heard Robbie Savage, the the the, the former sort of soccer player, um, mm. said that he felt this uh, lot of of, of uh, leisure activities and recreational sport activities uh, and grassroots sport, it, it was just a monstrous decision. Yeah. And I think he's right, because I think the impact of the children, the uncertainty, I think children need certainty. The thing that school yes. gives them is a certainty, a certainty of, of, of a behaviour, a certainty of a relationships, of care and compassion and learning, um, mm. certainty that they'll have certain events, and, and these have all gone. So... The children that are looking forward to Christmas activities, you know, gone. Children that love musical activities, gone. Children that like physical activities, you know, gone. And I, and I think that's a great shame. Mm. So I think the schools are doing the best they can, and uh, and I I sympathise and empathise with them. Uh, but I think the focus on there's going to be a rethink, I, I hope, about the way we assess children and, and measure yes. their performance. Um, I always remember. Uh, I think it was. Uh, uh, Professor Macbeth from Strathclyde saying, you know, no child ever got heavier by being weighed. Uh, and I think that's that's true with the exams. You know, when, when I hear the, 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 the uh, uh, Secretary of State for Education saying that, you know, GCSEs and A-levels are the, are the way of assessing children. Well, I'm sorry, they are a way. Mm. They are a powerful way, but they're not the only way and they're right. not necessarily the best way. So I think mm. I'm hoping that that will see more um, uh, more thought given to the way we assess children in terms of continual assessment of more frequent uh, uh, assessing of, of, of essays and, and exercises and, and practical activities just do it in a much more holistic way yeah but also see the developing of life skills as being an important part of that's not even not assessing life skills, but being that should be as a bal in terms of a balanced scale, your academic assessment, but also developing the whole area of skills that they can then take out into the workforce. Absolutely, and when you think of, of the when when industry is saying these are the things we're looking for, young people, and we're just not getting it. You know, we're, yeah. we're getting children who are very good at at assimilating some form of accreditation some form of certification they're piling up gcse's and a levels and and but they have no what you might call functional skills for, for the business the relationships the, mm. the ability to uh, debate discuss to create to imagine. critical thinkers yeah over their shoulder and my mm. friend albert einstein again you know he said that if you uh, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've already you've always got. got. <laughs> well, that's where we are. We're just asking them to regurgitate things. Whereas I'd like to set children a practical activity, or you know, on the on, and say, look, you've got the computer, you've got access to the library. Come up with a, you know, you do it now. You do it. You do mm. it. 
the information you've got mm. at your disposal. Because mm. There's so much information out there, so much knowledge. We can't know and remember it all. And I, I know that many of them will remember bits of, let's say they're doing the poet, poem Ozymandias in, for their GCSE power and conflict, and they remember it for the few weeks they need to, and then no interest in Ozymandias as a poet, uh, as a mm. poet. Just, just interest in trying to remember it, a couple of quotes from it, and whether it used power and conflict, uh, and then forget it. Forget it, it's no purpose, has it? We want children who've got a passion, for, and that's what I don't see in children at the moment, uh, Many, as many people have liked to, a real genuine passion for something. Mm. Whether, it's learning, uh, 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 whether it be poetry, whether it be drama, there are children there, but I think we need to create, to develop those passions that children yeah. have. Yeah. Follow music and uh, follow sport and to follow. I, 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 I did, on the Rocket Learn weekly video, I showed them um, Amy Williams, who you may not remember, but Amy Williams won the uh, Winter Olympic um, Skeleton Bob gold medal. Uh, right. Down a, a rather steep and slippery incline at over 100 miles an hour, about 100 miles an hour. And Gary Lineker, that I think it was Gary Lineker, I may be doing it a disservice, I apologise Gary if it wasn't you, uh, he, he asked her, you know, what does it take to become a, a, an Olympic champion in the skeleton bob? And she said, six hours a day, six days a week, four years. Yeah. To go down a slippery slope for 30 odd seconds. Yeah. Six days a week, four years. Yeah. And we need more people who've got that kind of passion, that wanting to shake something until it hurts Keep yeah i think i think we're finding more and more myself and Gemma referred to it as the amazon effect it's almost like it's that expectation of having something quick so you order a book from amazon you order food from just eat and i think we're developing a perspective in education that you're going to get something quickly and it'll happen quickly and i think that's where that passion is dying because passion takes time and I think, I think as learners, children give up so quickly if they don't achieve and get recognition for it. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, what uh, did John F. Kennedy said, didn't he, about, uh, about when he started the, the Apollo um, moon missions? He said, we choose to go to the moon, not because it's easy, because it's hard. We choose yeah. to go because it's hard. Yeah. And, and yeah. as many people have said, you know, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it exactly you've really got to inculcate in children that if you want to, to gain something really uh, significant you you have to work at it so playing a musical instrument you know mm -hmm. you've got to practice mm -hmm. that 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 sort of ten thousand hours approach you know to be the to be really good at something you've got to put in ten thousand hours of unstructured practice yeah you, you, you know of course professor sir ken robinson the poor old late uh, professor sir ken Mm. Uh, just a phenomenal person but he he said at, uh, uh once that he, he his brother i think is a jazz musician and he was watching him his brother playing jazz and he went up to the pianist uh, the keyboard player and said you know i'd re i really want to be able to play the keyboard uh, uh really well you know and the keyboard player looked at him and said ken no you don't he said yeah i do he said no ken you don't he said what you want you like the idea of being a good keyboard player if you wanted to be a good keyboard player, you would be. Yeah. You, you, you just, you don't want it enough. Yeah. You've got to really want it. If you want to be really good, at, if you want to be a great soccer player, 
you know, Alan Shearer here up in Newcastle would say he wasn't the best footballer at Walls End Boys Club, but he wanted it more than anybody else. Yeah. He was determined to work at the things he he had that physicality, the power, the strength, but he worked at the things he wasn't very good at. Yeah, it's that intrinsic motivation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm, mm, mm. The uh, table tennis player writes in the Telegraph now said, not only was he not the best, potentially not the best table tennis player in Britain, he was not the potentially the best table tennis player in Reading, where he lived. And he said, potentially, I wasn't even the best table tennis player in our street. He said, but I had a table tennis player and I wanted to be. Yeah, and I had the necessary physical attributes. I had the, the the table tennis table and the bat and the ball, and I wanted it. And I practiced in in the garage with my with my brother. And at school, I had a coach. And I, things came. But you, if you want it, you've got to work at it. Of course you do. Of course you do. I mean, you, you mentioned Rocket Learn a couple of times, um, and we're we're super excited to be involved in it. Can you explain a little bit more about what what this is and how it how it's going to work. During the lockdown and the children weren't at school, there was obviously a, a great move towards remote learning. And I think most teachers moved from no experience of, of remote learning to quite significant experience in a very short period of time. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Dave and I were working with a number of children who uh, were off uh, uh, school and, and wanted a little bit extra. So we, uh, we started to do some online uh, teaching of, of children, uh, about eight or nine children, um, some from the school that Dave's uh, girls go to and uh, others that we knew from friends. And we realized that this was a great opportunity and this was an opportunity for education to take a kind of different view that there were plenty of platforms, plenty of programs, plenty of resources out there. So children could have a much more personalized approach to learning, a much more asynchronous approach. They could access it anywhere, anytime. Mm. Uh, and we originally started to look at developing a hybrid model with um, a program that would sit alongside their normal school days uh, and when they were going back to school. Uh, and then they could access this program at the weekends or on the holidays. And it would really give some um, opportunity for them to explore their learning in, in deeper, uh, in a deeper way. So we started off by in a, quite a small way uh, at the moment. So we're offering this program of uh, uh, three learning platforms: uh, English, Maths, and STEM, basically. So right. science, technology, engineering, uh, art, and maths. Mm -hmm. And they do a number of STEAM missions, but it gives them a chance to explore. Uh, an adaptive learning pro. Both the programs are adaptive, so the children do some diagnostic assessments, that gives them a learning pathway, and they can then follow that pathway. The more they do, the more it adapts, and it gives them instant feedback. So wow. every week, um, they get a report as to how much they've done, what they've done, what progress they've made, what they need to do to improve, uh, uh, other Sort of, and, and Dave and I meet each of the youngsters for half an hour each week. And we're going to roll this out into schools. There's, at the moment, working with individuals, just piloting it with individuals, yeah. make sure it works. We do a weekly broadcast. Uh, I do it. Um, uh, and uh, uh, it, it has a, a kind of... So this week, for example, we did a, 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 an introductory video about human achievement. 
Uh, I do a, a bit of a talk about uh, thunks. I don't know if you've come across. Oh, thunks. I love thunks. Oh, yeah, yeah, get you thinking, thunks. <laughs> what we were saying earlier, the one this week is, uh, if there was a magic pill that meant you would, uh, you could never fail. Uh, and so that's the thunk mm. of this week. And then mm. we, we look at a particular aspect in a bit more detail. So this, this week was Sir David Attenborough and Isaac Asimov, the science fiction writer, um, uh, about saving the planet. And the, I don't know if you've come across the 16-year-old girl, Bella Lack, who's a kind of British equivalent of Greta Thun Thunberg. All right. Uh, but she's well worth having a look at uh, in terms of uh, her approach to saving the planet and conservation so we try to have a theme each week and then we're having a series of webinars uh, mm. in january and february and march and so on of which you're going to be one of, of the presenters yeah. so a webinar for children uh, more about activities and, and how they can improve their learning and what they might like to try different things so we're doing a, an esports one uh, we're doing a, a coding one we're doing a magic the first one for children is ma on magic wow Latvia, who's doing a, a magic show for them and then giving them some activities in magic to do uh, you of course to how they can uh, kind of uh, uh, improve their approach to learning uh, and we're going to do um, summer Easter and, and Christmas schools which will be free to children as well so children mm -hmm. who are on our program and the schools that are on our program can access uh, uh, teaching each day in English and maths and, and science uh, the downside for some children is that I'll be doing some of them. So <laughs> but we're not going to say in case they turn off. But, uh, <laughs> so, do, you ever, do you ever stop, Phil? <laughs> you, uh, does your wife yeah. ever see you? <laughs> well, she, she says I don't do enough around the house, basically. <laughs> no, she, she's really good. She's very, very supportive. And, and I say my son's working for the company at the moment he, because he's a bit of a technical whiz. He's right. Happy. The, uh, the website and uh, and social media and his girlfriend is working as well so they're, they're kind of working in tandem with us to, to get it going and I, and I think it'll be very successful and I think yeah. if schools are inevitably uh, you know not going to be the same again ever I don't think so I think it will work alongside schools give the, uh, an added um, uh, uh, program that they can use for the children mm. and those children there was a great program on Radio 4 this morning, um, Bringing Up Britain. I don't know if you've been listening to it, but today it was about homeschooling. Right. Uh, and so I think there's going to be an increasing number of children who will be homeschooled, uh, either because of a fear of, of, of COVID or other things, a, a natural dissatisfaction sometimes with the education that's provided. Children, as you mentioned, uh, you know, who've got anxieties about school at the moment. Uh, mm. So I think that will increase. Um, and so ultimately we'd like to do a, 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 a make it into a complete kind of school program for children who who don't go to school as well as those children uh, who do go and just want mm. to I mean there's definitely a platform the landscape at this moment in time and for the future there is definitely a platform for that rocket learn approach um, so, yeah the, the good thing about it but the thing that's impressed me is it's it's this adaptiveness that the fact mm. that it to the children's learning mm. uh, I know I've been guilty of it myself when when children have, have mastered a task in a class uh, as a reward for mastering that task they often get given more of that more task. of it 
uh, which which kind of rather inhibits them from from putting you know to showing that they've actually mastered it. So this this then says right now you've done that now try this. Yeah. This is a little harder or this is different. You know. Yeah. But but it's different different way of looking at it. Mm. Uh, so giving children a chance to to think and children a chance to question and mm. ask. And also personalize it so it's them and, and they're learning and they can they can have control over it. Yeah. I've always felt children need flexibility and choice. When mm. I was teaching at Newcastle School for Boys, I gave a group of children, including my own son who was in the class. Um, I, I used to teach RE at, 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 uh, at Newcastle School for Boys. As a head, it gave me a chance to meet every boy in the school once a week. And so I really enjoyed that. And so I set them a challenge and... Uh, um, Oh, there's my phone ringing. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> and I never know how to stop it. Yeah, I'm a technical whiz. I'm loving the music. Yeah, bit of classical interlude there. <laughs> um, where was I? Um, Going into classes. Oh, teaching RE and we, we, it was around Easter time so I said to the boys uh, we've been looking at uh, the last seven days that, of Christ's time on earth uh, from when he rode into Jerusalem these were kind of nine-year-olds uh, yeah. to when he, uh, he, he was crucified and, and rose on, on uh, Easter Monday so I'd like you to uh, over the Easter holiday do a, 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 a project on, on that and you can do it in any way shape or form that you like so straight away all the hands go up Please, Mr. Garnet, yes. Can I do a, a picture? Yes, you can do it in any way, shape, or form you want. Sir, yes. Can I do a film? Yes, you can do it in any way, shape, mm. or form you want. Sir, can I do... Boys, what are you not getting here? <laughs> so they did it in any way, shape, or form that they liked. And the results were magnificent. Yeah. They were outstanding because they had flexibility mm. and they had choice. Yeah. And one boy, I won't name his... I won't give his name, but his name was Hugh. Uh, and he, if I'd said to him, write an essay on the last seven days of Christ, he would have put his hand up and the question would have been, sir, yes, how long does it have to be? Yeah. That would have been his only interest. And if I'd said 200 words, he would have written exactly 200 words. Yeah. And then put a full stop. But yeah. he did a painting that Michelangelo would have been proud of. Yeah. And I said to him, how long did that take you, Hugh? And he said, oh, all, the whole holiday. He said, I spent virtually every moment I wasn't doing something else doing this. Mm. Another boys did a film without takes at the end. The outtakes of just incredible. Mm. You know, the, the Roman soldier who hit his ha the thumb, his thumb with the hammer when he was nailing Christ to the cross and watching him jumping around and yes. it was absolutely phenomenal because yeah. they had flexibility and they had choice. Mm. And too often we say to children, do this in this way, and you'll get this result. And yeah. I'll give you a tick, and you'll get an A star, and that and everything will be perfect yeah it won't it won't, it won't. no gosh you've you've just shared light on so many things in education at the minute we need you at the helm down at um <laughs> down at westminster <laughs> after ask people is you know what, what would education look like if so-and-so was in charge you know if, if marcus rashford was in charge of education what would it look like if david attenborough was in charge of it? yeah yeah. And instead, we get people like Michael Gove in charge. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Cringe. <laughs> just totally despair. But yeah, it is. So, if people want to find out more about 
Rocket Learn or getting in touch? What what should they do? Uh, they can uh, get in touch with me if, if, if I give you my email address. Uh, it's yeah. Phil at bluecoweducation.com. Uh, okay. com. That's the overarching company. Or rocketlearn.co.uk will right. uh, get you straight onto the, the website. Brilliant. Uh, and we'd love to hear from any any teachers that are interested, uh, either because they might like their school to take part in it or find out a little bit more about it. Uh, mm. They can always, as you hear, they can call me anytime. Really. Yeah. Can parents get involved in any oh, way? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think ultimately it's going to be parents that will will engage with this as as much as as schools. I think it will mm. be. Over just like to say a big thank you to Phil for taking the time to come and chat with us today. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the interview. I hope you did too. Take care of yourselves and we'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>